Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Quad Shot, where we help you down and digest the day's most pertinent cancer news. It's December 23rd, 2019. Welcome to The Quad Shot. We here at The Quad Shot want to wish you a happy holiday season, and we can think of no better way to celebrate than a roundup of this past week's most pertinent cancer news. Let's dive in. First up, too hot. The goal of RTOG 0617 was to determine if dose escalation from the standard 60 gray up to 74 gray at 2 gray per fraction could improve survival for patients with locally advanced non-small cell lung cancer. Oh yeah, and of course, it included the obligatory cetuximab era comparison arm, just to make things interesting. Here, we finally have the long-term results, published in JCO by Bradley et al. Every enrollee received concurrent weekly carboplatin and paclitaxel, and every trialist was stone-cold stunned when overall survival was significantly worse with dose escalation. While there was no overall difference in toxicity, patients in the high-dose arm had more severe esophagitis. So what's new with this publication? Well, the five-year overall survival results, which showed a nearly 10% absolute decrease in survival, taking the overall survival at five years from 32% in the 60-gray arm down to 23% in the 74-gray arm. Looking at the multivariable analysis of overall survival, basically anything that increased central and probably cardiac dose reduced survival. This included higher prescription, larger tumor, and of course, actual cardiac dose. They mainly used V5 to evaluate heart dose and You know, I don't know if you've ever tried to control V5, but you know it's almost completely determined by the extent of your field and the beam arrangement. In their multivariable model, heart V30 produced similar statistical outcomes to V5. In other words, almost any dose to the heart is potentially detrimental. But still, there's got to be at least a local control benefit to dose escalation, right? Quite interestingly, there was no difference in patterns of failure according to dose, and there was no difference in lung cancer deaths. So what's the bottom line? Long-term results of RTOG 0617 confirmed that 60 gray at 2 gray per fraction is the standard chemoradiation regimen for locally advanced non-small cell lung cancer. Up second, still too hot. Speaking of locally advanced lung cancer, what is the preferred way of doing surveillance imaging? If you're like us at the Quad Shot, one of the banes of your existence may be fellow oncologists ordering a PET scan four weeks after chemoradiation, or maybe even one week after. But that does raise the question, when should you be ordering a PET in this scenario? Well, you shouldn't at least not unless you think there's progression on the CT. If you take time to read through the Pacific Trial Protocol, you'll see that only CT was allowed after treatment, 
because of the inherent inflammatory changes associated with radiation treatment. New ASCO guidelines couldn't agree more, stating that CT is the optimal form of surveillance imaging and should be done every six months or two years and then annually thereafter. The bottom line is, PET shouldn't be used for routine surveillance of locally advanced lung cancer. Thanks to Schneider, JCO, 2019. Next up, chip off the old margin. The CHIP trial was the UK's randomized trial of prostate radiation demonstrating the non-inferiority of 60 gray in 20 fractions compared to 74 gray in 37 fractions. Embedded within the trial was a randomized phase 2 study of image-guided radiation therapy and reduced target margins. You may recall that there have been several studies suggesting that smaller margins and more sophisticated imaging do nothing to reduce toxicity while possibly even increase the risk of failure. Of the over 3,000 patients in CHIP, 293 were also enrolled in the IGRT substudy where they were randomized, once again, to standard margins with no IGRT, standard margins with daily IGRT, or reduced margins with daily IGRT. Remember, CHIP used confusing multiple simultaneous integrated boost volumes with various margins. As a short recap, the prostate and seminal vesicles were treated with a 10 millimeter margin, except for 5 millimeters posteriorly, such that 80% of the prescription went to this volume. The prostate with a 10 millimeter and 5 millimeter posterior margin received 96% of the prescription, and the prostate with a 5 millimeter, 0 millimeter posterior margin received 100% of the prescription. In the reduced margin arm, the 10 millimeter and 5 millimeter margins mentioned above were reduced to 6 millimeters and 3 millimeters, respectively. Acute grade 2 plus toxicity rates were 24 to 28% for GI and 44 to 53% for GU. Late grade 2 plus toxicity was 2% across the board for GU and 6 to 8% for GI. The bottom line is. Though it improved the dosimetry, the use of daily IGRT and reduced target margins did not appear to dramatically reduce toxicity during prostate radiation on the CHIP trial, thanks to the Murray et al. publication in the Green Journal, 2019. Next up, Ribocop. We already know ribocyclib, just like the other CDK4-6 inhibitors, drastically improves progression-free survival as first- or second-line therapy for metastatic, ER-positive, HER2-negative breast cancer. We previously saw the initial reporting of the Phase 3 Mona Lisa 3 trial. Now, we have the final reporting, and you know what that must mean. Mature results on the secondary, but much more moving, endpoint of overall survival. Remember, 726 women receiving full Vestrant were randomized 2 to 1 to the addition of ribocyclib versus placebo. Now, it's important to note that the trial was designed with overall survival as a secondary endpoint, 
and this is mainly because power analysis estimated 351 deaths would be required to show a difference. And with ER positive breast cancer, ain't nobody got time for that. Well, at a medium follow-up of over three years, 275 deaths have occurred, just over three quarters of the estimated needed number. But the discrepancy in overall survival was already so large that, well, here we are doing a quad shot about it. The rate of overall survival at 42 months was 58% with ribocyclib versus 46% without. That's a 12% absolute survival benefit. And there's nothing new to report with regard to toxicity. Grade three to four events with ribocyclib primarily consist of neutropenia and leukopenia. The bottom line is, just like in Mona Lisa 7, ribocyclib again proves to significantly improve overall survival among women with metastatic, estrogen receptor positive, HER2 negative breast cancer. And that's no easy feat. Thanks to Simone et al., New England Journal, 2019. Up next, Deep Learning Nodal Network. An important addition to the AJCC head and neck cancer staging was the inclusion of both clinical and pathologic extranodal extension, also known as ENE. Clinical ENE upstages the cancer straight to N3, but far more patients have pathologic ENE than is clinically apparent. In this study, a previously developed deep learning neural network that detects ENE on preoperative neck CT was validated on 200 individual lymph nodes from an external multi-institutional cohort as well as the cancer genome atlas. Compared to the expert radiologists, artificial intelligence had significantly higher accuracy in the external validation group, 83%, AUC is 0.84, and the cancer genome atlas, 87%, AUC 0.9. Additionally, when radiologists had the AI data to consider, their accuracy was noted to improve. The bottom line is, AI is highly accurate at predicting the presence of extranodal extension in patients with head and neck cancer, thanks to Kahn's publication, JCO, 2019. Up next, pulling rank. Denosumab, an inhibitor of rank ligand that prevents osteoclast maturation, has been suggested to prevent bone metastases in women with early-stage breast cancer. The large DCARE trial has now put denosumab back in its place, squarely outside the realm of oncologic therapeutics, as it conferred no significant improvement in bone metastasis-free survival, thanks to Coleman, Lancet Oncology, 2019. Up next... Fertile ground for cancer. This intriguing retrospective look at over 1 million children in Denmark signals a statistically significant at 2.5 times higher risk of developing childhood cancer among those born 
after frozen embryo transfer. Thanks to Hargrave et al. JAMA, 2019. Finally, curl up and die. This large prospective observational study is garnering lots of buzz after suggesting women who use chemical hair dyes or straighteners are significantly more likely to develop breast cancer. Thanks to Everly et al., International Journal of Cancer, 2019. This concludes today's episode of The Quad Shot. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating and subscribing to our podcast. Also, check out our website at www.quadshotnews.com and subscribe to our newsletter. We'll catch you next time.